this is the podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> with each other. <laughs> <laughs> so much excitement. And mine. My ears. Oh, it's great. I'm so glad I turned it down. <laughs> Wait, wait. You guys are still here? Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, cannot believe you're still here after that. Thank you for being so patient and kind, listeners. This is your local Dungeon Dragons podcast. <laughs> or not local. Local. Um, we are local in every town. Ever. Well, no matter where you go, we are local. In almost every country <laughs> in the world right now. We're with you. Wherever you go, we're there. We're right behind you, looking over your shoulder. Creeping. Um, are we talking about Saul? <laughs> Cutting your ears off. <laughs> I bet everyone wants to cut their ears off after that intro. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, ears? They're demolished. You might be thinking, I've made a huge mistake, but just in case you're still sticking around, this is Make Believe Heroes, an actual play 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons adventure. Also an outlet for all of my friends to crack jokes for an hour and a half. Exactly. You are welcome. I'm the dungeon master. I'm the one who's trying his very best to rein these people in to mm. tell a story. Good luck. <laughs> like no one ever was. Like no one ever. And I'm joined by four people that I care about deeply. Aww. Aww. <laughs> How sweet. Look, Jeffrey, somebody cares about you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, it's Jeremy. I play Saul. I'm Jeffrey, and I play Kjorg. I'm Alan, and I play Brackle. I'm Felicia, and I play Misk. And I'm Paul, and I play everyone else. <laughs> Last time on Make Believe Heroes, our party set out to the stable a good 30 feet from where they began the episode. <laughs> and um, <laughs> they began to speak with Gilman, the stable boy, who had been informed and paid to provide them with horses. That didn't last long either. What he didn't know is there was an ambush set up, a group of brigands out searching for Brackle to uh, bring him in to pay for his, quote, crimes against their organization, having killed a few of their thugs in the street earlier that day. It didn't go so well for the brigands. They weren't expecting that sort of opposition. But this ragtag group of adventurers that barely know each other came together and fought against those villains. Next thing you know, Saul is sawing the ears off of halflings behind the barn. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. I'm very glad that you said adventurers and not heroes, because this party is really struggling with that. Really. Between Brackle and Saul. We're struggling with the heroes. There are problems. I mean, what's new? I chose the name. We came up with so many possible names for this podcast. I chose wrong. <laughs> Make believe hero what? Make believe characters. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ron Fletcher, maybe this is maybe this is make believe villains. We'll see. <laughs> Anyhow, they are, they were bad people trying to kill Brackle because he protected his friend and because he stood for justice and truth and right. Anyhow, things did not go well for the villains. They overcame them after some struggle. Brackle went to gather a guard to turn them over, leaving Saul in the care of Kjorg and Misk, thinking, ah, it'll be fine. 
But as Misk stepped out to see what was up with those halflings that had been killed, and Georg was going to check the body of Gilman, the stable boy who'd been murdered viciously. Saul stepped up and began to threaten him, and wouldn't you know it, it ended with him burning a hole in his face with a cigar and then cutting one of his ears off just as a guard steps into the barn. What is going on here? Saul pays no attention to him. Um, it's not really what it looks like. This guy uh, It liter- looks like that tiefling <laughs> is cutting the ears off of the prisoner. Brackle, is that... Is that is he is he cutting his ears off? Okay, that's uh, exactly what he's it got is. ears on a chain around his neck. We don't know who this guy is. <laughs> he, he just he just snuck in here and started cutting that guy's ears off before we even got a chance to to uh, to stop him. I want to roll a perception check to see if he's cutting his ears off. All <laughs> uh, you see that he's cutting his ears off. Uh, he is literally hunkered down <laughs> over him. The guy's screaming. <laughs> As Saul is cutting his ear off. Saul adds the ear to his belt. So I say, yes, that does appear to be what's happening. (laughs) Brackle, I thought you said that... What is... Who's the villain? Is that the villain? He says, pointing at Saul. Um, Yes. uh, The guy on the floor definitely is. I tried to stop this from happening. I guess I was wrong in assuming I could be away for... Ten minutes without... <laughs> okay. He steps up, drawing his sword, and kind of points it in your direction, Saul, but you can all see that it's shaking. He's shaking. I, I put my hand on his shoulder and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Terrified. <laughs> you might want to do that, sir. You, you, uh, you can't be doing that. Can we knock this guy out and get on the horses and run? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the best scenario right now. You don't have to ask. I just wanted to see what they thought. Saul turns around and he has a dagger and he's holding it like he's about to throw it. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab his hand. And he, he smiles wickedly at the guy and like yes. lets his tail slap the ground a couple times and goes, Perhaps I should have your ears as well. No no you, you can't have his ears. This this not this man. He didn't do anything. Who who even are you? Why are you cutting this guy's ears off? <laughs> You thought you could get away with that. <laughs> Saul inhales deeply on his cigar, blows out some smoke, and looks up at Kjorg holding his wrist, looks back at the guy. Well, it looks like you have a friend. Huh? You can call me Satsaris, peasant. This halfling attacked us. Me taking hey, excuse his me, ear is- you evil person who just <laughs> cut this man's ear off. Be quiet while we sort out the law. Kjorg, roll me... <laughs> Kjorg, roll me a deception check. <laughs> Kjorg! Oh my god. Okay, that is, is a 16 plus 1, 17. Not bad. Oh my gosh. Sir, you can't just come in here cutting the ears off of prisoners when these good people have fought to try and protect our town. I'll do exactly what no, I like. Yeah, no, sh- I'll put my hand over his mouth. We'll, we'll deal with this brigand later. Like, while this is going on, I want to sneak behind the guy, mm-hmm. and I just want to knock him out. <laughs> oh, the guard? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I try to stop all this. I'm like, stop, stop. No. Okay. <laughs> Everyone. You better do something, Brackle, because what the heck is going on? <laughs> I, I, this has gone insane. Two tieflings and a half orc. <laughs> What's the guard's name? Jim. His name is Jim. Jim. Listen, um, 
I will. <laughs> I'll do what I can to make sure no more ears are improperly severed. But we 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 need to leave. If you don't mind, please take this. He's he's dangerous. And I point over to the corner. I said he killed uh, Garvey or whatever his name is. <laughs> his name is Gilman. Gilman. Garvey. Garvey. Or Gil for short. He killed Garvey. Garvey. Garvey's dead. <laughs> Not Garvey. Call him Gil. Gilman. We need a shirt that says he killed Garvey. Gil. He killed little Gil over there. Are are there other bodies around? Uh, there's a couple halflings in the back. With their ears sawed off. So these brigands killed young Garvey. <laughs> What's his name? Gil. God. <laughs> okay. His name is Gilman, but you can call him Gil. Okay. <laughs> young Garvey. Garvey. Why Garvey? Garvey. Where, where did Garvey come from? Garvey had to die. Look, I, I just, I'll just tell you, I named him Gilman because it rhymes with kill and he was going to get killed. That's it. Kill man, wow. Gilman. You can call him Gil for short. He didn't have to die, though. Wow. <laughs> Everyone just completely ignored his he death. Didn't have to. Yeah, we mm-hmm. just ignored him. I was pretty sure that he w- there was no coming back from that. That's why I, I was just I was bent on revenge. We didn't really know what was going on at the moment. We could have been flogged, you know. So I say. Jim, we need to leave. We have to go after the rest of these brigands. But this man is dangerous. He and his friends killed young Gil over there. Oh, Gil. If you don't mind, please take him to the jail. But I, I've, we've got to go. I'll make sure no more ears get unnecessarily departed from their heads. Oh, poor Gil. I suggest you use... No, 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 I suggest once you no, have him, you burn I, his feet off. No, I put my hand over his mouth. <laughs> Quite frankly, even though it was improper, the man deserves more than ears cut off. Yeah. You also might want to, you know, stop his ear from bleeding. Or, well, what was not ear? I cast Cure Wounds. I'm just kidding, I don't. Do you know Cure Wounds? I do. You do? That's cool. Alan, you could have cast Cure Wounds on guilt. I thought he was dead. Wow. Like he had a he, he he fell down clutching his throat. Cure wounds doesn't help dead. You're right. So Jim looks at you and he says, Brackle, I don't I don't know if I can just let you guys leave. And uh, roll me a persuasion check, Brackle. Okay. I will say to him in my best, most persuasive voice, it's important. There's more and more people, more innocents can die if we don't go after them. Roll it. That is a 19 minus one. Ooh. Ooh, not bad. That's good. All right, Brackle. I know you, Brackle. You're, you're a good man. Uh, I'll, I'll trust you. I'm I'm going to go get the guard. Uh, seems like you secured this man pretty well, and he, he doesn't look like he's going anywhere anyway. You all can see that the villain is basically just lying on the ground. Oh, my God. Moaning in pain. <laughs> he's not having a good day. And he steps over... He, he takes some rope that's there, like one of the leashes, and he sort of ties it off on his hands that are tied up to one of the posts and kind of ties him to the wall there. This poor guy's going to live the rest of his life with one ear. <laughs> yeah, with one ear, and, it, you know, he's probably got some... He's got some deep chest wounds. Let's, let's get real. Without magic healing, this dude's not going to live. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, man. He's dying. He probably should have just killed him. Anyway. Should have asked you if he wants to cut the other one off so it'll match. 
I feel like the answer to that is no. I look at him and say, I'm sorry I couldn't keep my word about your ear. Not terribly sorry about the ear, though. He's practically unconscious at this point. His eyes are rolling back in his head, and he's just moaning and barely even holding on to consciousness. If it had been up to me, I would have ripped off your arms and legs and flung you down the street so you would be moving like a turd in a wind. <laughs> I knew you were going to say a turd in the wind. I couldn't remember the actual quote, but... Like a turd in the wind. <laughs> such, it's actually a pretty good movie, Venom. I seen such it. great writing. Between Saul and Brackle, we're a group of serial killers. I mean, Brackle only kills bad people. He's like Dexter. Dexter's lab. Once Jim feels that he's got this brigand secured, he turns to you, Brackle, and he says, "You four should get out of here. I- I'm gonna have to go get some more guards. And if you need to go, then you should just go." And he turns and makes his way out of the barn. Okay, let's get it. Brackle hops on the horse, looks at Gil, and says, I guess I gotta do it myself. I'll miss you, Gil. In the arms of an angel. Please. <laughs> Saul stabs Brackle. <laughs> In the arms of a David. Please. <laughs> Saul's gonna go look for the biggest, nicest horse in the stable. I'm just gonna go over to the horses. Kjorg is also gonna look for the biggest, nicest horse in the stable. So that means that Misk is going to pick the biggest horse in the stable. <laughs> Brackle's going to look for the, the the leanest, most utilitarian horse he can find. You and uh, you and Saul rolled me a d20. I got, I got a natural 20. No, you did. <laughs> I got a natural 20. I got it. I got a natural 20. I got an 11. <laughs> <laughs> the four of you set about looking for a suitable horse. Uh, Saul, you wander up and you look inside and you see this horse. And uh, unlike the rest of the horses that you've seen, this one looks mm. like it's fit for battle. It's, it's a war horse. And uh, at that exact moment that you start to open the door, Kjorg steps up and places his hand on the gate. <laughs> this is a horse fit for the people's champion. Oh, Kjorg, you're mistaken. The, the finest horse, it's down there on the far left. Uh, the smaller one, the 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 ruddy looking one. It's kind of red no. with the unkempt hair. No, certainly that is what a people's champion would ride. This this <laughs> horse here, this is far far below a half orc of your standing. And uh, he takes a big draw on a cigar and steps in the stall and gets on the Are horse. You sure about that? I'm positive. Haven't you listened to Misk? You're the people's champion. The people's champion would ride that horse. Oh gosh. I'm just standing back watching. I'm like, oh my gosh. Guess I'm moving for that people's champion horse over there, the little one. <laughs> Please tell me it's like a donkey. Please be a donkey. It's not a donkey. It is a horse, but it, it looks like, like. How long do horses typically live? It is a horse, but. Like 200 years, I think. <laughs> They don't live 200 years. I don't know how long a horse lives, but this one looks like... Not much longer than this one. <laughs> um, and Kjorg walks up and thinks, yes, this, this is a champion's horse. I'm just going to get on the horse and not even say anything. You just get on a horse. I don't even care. I approach my horse and I pat it. Mm-hmm. I let it get used to me so it's not scared, doesn't get spooked. I lean in mm-hmm. and uh, lick it and say, mm, just like raisins. Gosh, oh my please. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no. So 
So you all have gathered your mounts. Do you set out? Yes. Yes. Okay. Brackle, I assume, <laughs> are you going to be leading the way? Do I know the way? Well, if anyone does, it's you. Okay. <laughs> so you are a ranger, and you've lived here your whole life. I start leading the way. And I'm right behind him. Okay. And while I'm on my way, since I still have one HP, I cast Cure Wounds on myself. That's smart. You never know when you might get shot by halflings in the dark. Yeah, and all it'll take is one damage to drop me. Mm. And then suddenly... No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no. I have 12 hit points. All right, you cast Cure Wounds on yourself? Yep, that's 1d8. Which I only have one spell slot left. And I rolled an eight. Oh, wow. nice. Wow, yeah, awesome. Great. Yeah. Well done. Eight plus what? Eight plus two. I think that comes out to ten. Okay, so you regain ten hit points. It's late. It's after midnight now. You all set out from Branchire. You guys ride through the town. It's very quiet. Like I said, there's not many people around. You might see the occasional straggler stumbling through town, half drunken or what have you. But for the most part, it's quiet. You come to the northern gate of the city. And you all head out on the road. And it's not too far once you've traveled on the road for just a little bit, maybe half an hour, that Brackle begins to lead you all off of the road and into the forest, the Sylvan Forest, north of the city. You all are heading north-northwest. Get off the road! Toward the northwestern portions of the Sylvan Forest where the uh, line of the mountain range of the Elder Mountains comes down and meets the forest. That's where you're headed. That's where this place, the Devil's Pass, is located. Now, you guys are not going to make it there tonight. You all are feeling fatigued, but are you going to try and press through for a few hours? Uh, Brackle. Brackle. Yes. Perhaps, do you know a shortcut? <laughs> uh, this is already <laughs> the shortest cut through here. No, a, a shortcut, you know... To mushrooms. Oh, Gosh. oh, to mushrooms. Please. Yes. I think we'll find a natural mushroom grove on our way, right? You'll need a feather to get through this shortcut. A feather. Uh, Brackle, I, do you know a place where we should hunker down, perhaps? You can stand guard while we heal up? Uh, yes. A place where we can hunker down. Yes, I think that's a wise idea, although I think shifts would be a good idea as well. Yeah, Brackle's kind of hurting. So, Brackle, you look for a good place to rest for the night? Oh, I know a good place to rest. What does he mean by shifts? Okay, so you keep your eye out. You all are walking, well, you're riding your horses, but pretty, not fast, slowly through the forest. Still making good time, but you've traveled, we'll say, I don't know, three to four hours from the city when you look for a good spot to hole up for the night, so... You just find a good little location. You're off the road at this point anyway, so you just find this place that's pretty easily defendable where um, no one would spot you easily if they were walking by. Not that you are expecting anyone to be, but at the same time, you weren't expecting to be ambushed at the stables. So you find a spot that's pretty decent. I was. Oh, you were? I'm always expecting it. Constant vigilance. Vigilance. You all stop for a long rest? Yes, we do. Fjord, what do you want? Perhaps you could build us a fire. That's for the underlings to do. Uh, that is for the people's champion. You're right. Uh, Misk? Yeah. What? How long does the darkness last? I don't know. How about you just go to sleep and we'll <laughs> wake you up when it's time? The darkness never ends. Sleep. For him in the morning. That sounds good. Uh, <laughs> is there a fire to sit in? Sure, sit in this one. If you sit in a fire up here, I'm pretty sure you're not going to like it as much as you think. Not going to like it. 
I did notice the fires in that house were mm, different. Yeah, it's because it's not like home. Yes. There's no place like home. You set up camp, you start a fire, and you start, I'm assuming, setting up for rest. Are you going to try and lie down in the middle of the fire saw? So he's not just going to, like, go jump in it, uh-huh. but he's going to walk up to it and, like, deftly put a boot. Uh, no, he's going to stick his tail in it. He's going to whip his tail around and let it, like, touch it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, one fire damage to your tail. You notice he, like, dips his tail into the fire and very quickly pulls it out and, like, starts slapping it on the ground. And he looks over at Misk and he looks back at the fire and goes, What is wrong with this plane? That's a fire. When are you going to realize that when I tell you something, you should probably listen? Like, you don't even know. I just told you I wouldn't try it. And you just had to. Like, listen. You wouldn't try it. It's because she's smart. (laughs) It's because I know. I've already... You think I didn't try this stuff when I got up here? Well, you should teach me and not just tell me. Oh, man. I'm about to teach you a couple things, and you're not going to like it. Uh-oh. What are y'all doing? <laughs> are you standing around looking at each other? Yeah, we're just... I'm digging through my pack, just looking at all my stuff. I'm just going to sit mm-hmm. near the fire. Ooh, I have an iron pot. I pull out an iron pot. Make us some meats. It's so late. I'm going to sleep. I will rest here. <laughs> it's 4 a.m. <laughs> Kjorg, what are you going to do? Just cook and not sleep? Saul uh, bundles up next to a tree. Nah, I put the pot on Saul's head. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Brackle, do you want to take the first shift, or do you want me to? I can take the first shift. I can use the time to set up a perimeter and uh, set up some uh, camouflage. Okay. Well, when you're done, you just let me know, and I'll take over until morning thank you Saul does go back to Misk after everybody's like quieted down for a while and taps her on the shoulder hey Misk uh, my uh, my sword isn't working do you know anything about that oh your fire sword yeah look and he pulls it out and he like looks at it and he glares at it and he takes a cigar out of his mouth and touches it to it and puts it back in where is my magic what is happening? I can't even use it right. Our magic is pretty much, I was about to say useless, but it's not even there for us to think about. Like, it, our magic is gone when we're up here. I don't really know how. I've tried to figure it out, but we're literally not. So we can't go back? Nope. And we have no power here? Nope. Why do you think I found Kjorg? <laughs> yeah, he's a good shield. Yeah, he's a good guy. Have you seen any more like us? I've heard of tieflings being around, but I've never, I've never met any on my travels so far. Not saying I haven't looked for them. Do we know how long these bodies will last here? Nope. That's why I live as much as I can every day. Trying to get as much money as I can, too. <laughs> What's the money for? Well, maybe one day I'll just settle down somewhere and not have to worry about you know am I gonna have enough money for food the next day or whatever I don't know when I come up here I was all excited about adventure and kind of like you wondering what's going on with my body and why do I not have my magic and stuff like that and then I realized that it's not all about that up here not all about that yeah it's not all about power and Well, to some people it is, but 
ask them how their lives are and they'll probably say it's boring i don't know maybe after this adventure maybe me and you can start a ranch somewhere and Kjord can take care of the horses i'm sure you like that <laughs> i'm not sure what you mean by a ranch but we'd be dressing <laughs> well misk hopefully father never makes it to this plane have you spoke to him I haven't, but I also haven't tried. Like, I don't even care. And if he does come to the plane, I'm not really scared of him, so... Because let's say he comes up here. He won't have his magic. He'll be like us. (laughs) He's full-blooded. I I don't know if it'll affect him the same. I don't know. I mean, I'll hope for the best. But if he does come up here, I'm pretty sure I can handle him. He's kind of a pushover. (laughs) Just kidding. Don't tell him I said that. If he does come up here, I mean, you didn't hear none of that. Saul just gives a toothy grin. But hopefully if he does, I won't be near. Well, it's good to have found you so quickly. What did he say to you before you left? <laughs> Father, you, th- you think he spent time talking to me? I was waging my own wars and winning them. I'm sure you were. While you were gone, actually. Yeah. Sorry I left, by the way. Yeah, I lost three regiments of an army that day. Really? Yeah, their captain was missing. Well, I just had to leave. Why? Why here? I needed a change. So did I, but I thought it would be more. But you know what they were trying to do to me. You didn't have to worry about that stuff. Or do you not know? Did Father not tell you? Uh, his machinations are his own. My opinions, I surely did give them to him, but... You know I had no call there. Well, I had to leave. And I knew that you wouldn't like it. But I figured that you'd come after me one of these days. I knew you couldn't do without your sister. And here you are. He, uh, smiles and chuckles a little bit. No, I I am happy to see you, for sure. But uh, I did not come pursuing you. Oh, well... I'm glad to see you. It's good to have a piece of home that I actually enjoyed. He lets his tail come up and he like slaps your hand away like he's basically always done anytime he talks to you. And then he uh, walks away and goes and lays down by the fire. I do too. As soon as she lays down, Bracco walks over and says, okay, your turn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something about that campfire setting isn't there just brings out those those moments you know and that's what we're all about on make-believe heroes them moments thanks so much for tuning in again this week guys we hope that you're enjoying episode six of season two now before we continue with the rest of this episode there are a couple things i would love to talk to you all about just real quickly first of all i want to mention our sponsor diceenvy.com DiceEnvy.com is a place where you can go to find your next set of D&D dice or any RPG that you like to play. You can go to DiceEnvy.com right now and find all kinds of beautiful dice that you can't find anywhere else, such as the nice Cosmos dice that we gave away this month. And hey, for your information, tune in next week to the first episode in December for information about our next dice giveaway. Right up next to that Christmas season. What a perfect time to win some new dice. 
Dice Envy were so kind to offer us with some beautiful dice to give away. And we're very excited to show you those next week. And we think that you're going to love them as well. So be sure to tune into that and enter in to win those. But if you'd like to go now and get yourself some new dice, hey, you know, treat yourself or get a new set for a friend or a loved one. There's no better time than right now. Go to DiceEnvy.com, use the code HEROES to get 10% off of any purchase, such as the awesome Dice subscription that they offer, starting at just $5 a month. You should go to DiceEnvy.com right now, check that out. And while you're on the interwebs, why not swing by BattleBards.com and check out some of the wonderful sound effects music, and soundscapes that they've created for you to use at your table. Just last week, a few of us played at Jeremy's house, and he used some of that ambient music that we've got from Battle Bards to really set the mood. It was, uh, yeah, it was utterly terrifying. So I would definitely recommend that. Go over there and use the code MBHPODCAST to get 15% off your Battle Bards Prime subscription. Now for the part of the show where we read your five-star reviews from iTunes. If you would like to have your words read live on the show, go now to iTunes or whatever podcasting service you use. Leave us a nice five-star review. We will read it on the air. You know, like the review Fresh and So Clean by Zunderhill. Not many podcasts have that original storyline that just hooks you. Not many D&D podcasts are out there that kids can listen to because of rough language. MBH excels at both. I proudly talk about this one out loud with my children and play it where they can hear. The story hooks you in from the get-go with the hilarious relationship between an awkward wizard elf and a not overly religious paladin. MBH is great for all ages. Thanks, Zunderhill. We strive to keep the show great for all ages as best as we possibly can. You know, I have a daughter. She's 16 months old now, and I hope to listen with her one day. So thank you for listening, and thanks for the kind words. It means a lot. And then we have a short little review from Gladriel which is, I'm assuming, a play on Galadriel, but Galadriel, the review entitled Sweet Charlie's Back. Charlie is the best character. That's it. You're right. Charlie is, he's definitely one of the best. He's probably, he's the, okay, yes, Charlie's the best. We're all just, we're just here. We're just waiting for everything to circle back around to Charlie. So, sorry that he's not in season two. I've, I've let you down. So if you're listening to this, please forgive me and I'll see what I can do about getting Charlie back on the show as soon as possible. So, okay. Any, anyhow, uh, let's, let's get back to some Dungeons and Dragons, shall we? We will continue on our journey toward Devil's Pass. You all lie down. We're not going to play it out. You all take your watches. You get your rest. Everything is fine. There's no disturbances in the night. Saul does not take a watch. Just the forest, the quiet, serene forest. You all get rested. And even after the sun rises, you sleep for a while. And as it's coming to the earliest hours of the morning, you know, getting to be around 10 or so, maybe a little later, you all stir, you gather up your things, and you head back out. And Brackle understands that you all have quite a distance to go before you can reach the area that leads into the Devil's Pass. So, just real quickly, as you all are traveling, before we move on, is there anything that, that anyone wants to do or say on the way? After that conversation that we had, mm -hmm. or whatever, the next day, I'm just that morning, I'm just kind of quiet, just thinking about stuff. Since I found my iron pot in my pack. Yeah. As we travel <laughs> from time to time, 
Also, I have a hammer. So I'm clunking my pot over my head. It's the people's champion. Just declaring yourself. Come and fight me. Kjorg. Yes. You know you don't want nobody to find us right now. Where did you find this idiot? He kind of found me. I have inspiration, Kjorg. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard a person do on D&D. Yes. And that is saying something. <laughs> Yeah, he's played with a lot of crazy people. Uh, <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of someone. Honestly, you all deserve inspiration. Have inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone what? have inspiration. inspiration. You get inspiration. You get inspiration. Yes. <laughs> Gosh. Okay, are we there yet? You all travel through the day. You travel into the night. It's getting dark. The sun sets. Well, the sun doesn't set. The sun is starting to set. Was that a long rest? Yes, you've all taken a long rest. Yeah, you're fully, fully rested. You're traveling through the day, and it's starting. The sun crests high above you, and then it begins its descent, and you all can see uh, every once in a while when the trees will thin just a bit, you can see the enormous elder mountains. Like they're just cut into the earth beneath you, just these towering, rocky, uh, hard mountains high above you, and they're drawing closer. You all are sort of intercepting them. And as the sun is starting to set and the uh, trees and everything around you are starting to block it and shadow starts to fall on you, you know that you're getting closer, Brackle. And the moment that the sun's warmth kind of stops to beam down on you from any direction and it's just close enough to sunset, the air just gets unnaturally cool. Mm. And Killmont flies out of the sky and murders us. It's six days from the summer solstice. I mean, you know that the uh, the Festival of the Rising Sun wraps up on the day of the summer solstice, the longest day of summer, the typically the brightest and warmest day of summer. And here it is, and it feels like a cool autumn day. Everyone, this, there's something not right. What do you mean? It shouldn't be this cool this time of year, not here. Well, what do you think's going on? I don't know. Be on alert. Okay. Brackle is looking every which way, trying to discern a source of the cold. Okay. Um, you don't need to roll me a perception check or anything for this. You keep going forward, I'm assuming, right? You're, you're going forward just cautiously, and you don't see anything. You don't notice anything. It's as if the it's as if you've come into a place that you can tell from the growth around you, and not just the growth, but the sound of insects and critters and the scurrying of rabbit and deer and squirrels and things in the forest, everything becomes more hushed and more scarce. The trees are not as lush here. They're not dead or anything like that, but everything seems more dry and uh, barren, almost as if something about this place has drank the life from the the greenery and the wildlife around you. Mm. And you proceed forward with caution. You've never been this far to the northwestern part of the Sylvan Forest. And uh, now you don't want to be. This is the farthest from home I've ever been. There it is. Samwise Gamgee. Actually, I turn around and I'm like, nope, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's probably the best thing you could do. So what do you think we should do, Brackle? I think we should keep going. Let's go. But be... Vigilant, he says, pausing to listen. Be vigilantes. Kjorg, keep it down. We gotta be quiet, okay? Saul is like freezing. 
He is not used to this. We're looking for a fight, right? Yes, but we gotta be quiet first, okay? If he keeps clanging that pot, we should put him at the front of the entourage. Can you put down the pot, Georg? Georg, put the pot down. <laughs> do you put the pot down, Georg? Georg, do you put the pot down? <laughs> They're all looking with bated mm, breath as Georg still... holds the pot over his head with a hammer in his hand, he's looking from person it. to person as the sun sets. <laughs> It's the people's champion! Oh my gosh, do you seriously cling that thing? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh my glob. You do it, and the... Saul kills him. There's this resounding clang across the forest, and you all just stop and listen. I'm looking at Kjork like, about to freak out. Don't worry, I'll challenge whatever comes. You wait five seconds, ten seconds, and... There's not a scurry, not a sound. There is a light breeze blowing through, but after a few moments that pass you, you don't you don't see anything. Okay, let's keep moving. We need to go. And put your pot down. I say we put Georg in the front. Then I put my pot away. He put his pot away, okay. Okay. Georg, do you ride up front with Brackle? And I do go to the front on my magnificent horse. <laughs> on his magnificently feeble horse. Okay, Brackle, you begin to lead them forward. What are you doing as you ride? I am on edge, looking every which way. Roll me a perception check. I want to roll you a persuasion check. That is a 12. Okay. Georg, you're up there with him also. Roll me a perception check. Okay. That is an... Eight plus zero. So, as you're traveling along, Brackle, the sun has disappeared completely behind the cover of the Elder Mountains, and now, even though the sun is still in the sky shining over where you are now is covered in dusk-like darkness, but you can see, as you're traveling along, up on the side of the mountain, far up to the west, high up above you, through a copse of trees, you can see a light shining. There's some gravels falling down the hill, and there's a black, liquidy lizard bat thingy. No, no I'm just kidding. Not that. Not this time. So I say, look with alarm. I look with alarm. Okay. I you look. all look up there, and you can Blow see through yonder window breaks. It's it's hard to make it out. It's a pretty good distance, but it seems like up on maybe the side of one of the mountains, once you've become very close now, and based on the closeness of the nearest mountain, Brackle, you would assume that you guys are closing in on the Devil's Pass. You might even be in the outer rims of it. We appear to be closing in on the Devil's Pass. We may even be on the outer rims of it. Should we go up there, or should we just keep on going? So, do I know where we're going? Am I actually, like, leading them the right way? Yeah, you're leading them the right way. You know where you're going. Okay, then I say yes, let's go this way. There is a shortcut, but it's through the Valley of Sad Times. Mushrooms. The Shadow of Death. Bad, sad times. Are you are you trying to just push forward toward the pass, or are you going to look at the thing on the hill? What are you doing? Uh, let's, let's approach the thing on the hill, carefully, oh quietly, without pants. Okay, so you want to make your way closer to the mountains over to that side. No pants. Yes. Okay, so you, you cut through the trees, turning to the left making your way west toward the mountains and you you travel your way through the forest you know you're trying to move quietly 
You don't see anyone. You don't hear anyone. Uh, you come to a place where the trees open up, and it is basically just the mountainside. And now that you're this close to the mountain, you can see up there that it is a sort of cliff. It's like a cliff in the side of this mountain. And atop this cliff, you can clearly see now that there's a sort of, looks like either, you can't tell if it's like a some sort of a ramshack structure that's been put together for a camp or if it's actually a house. But you can see some sort of a rooftop with smoke coming from it and the glow of light. Let's investigate. Is there anything that makes me think I should investigate? This isn't just some hermit. Um, as far as you know, no one would ever live here, ever. Okay, so uh, is this close to where the uh, burn feet people? Hot feet? Yes. What are you asking me? <laughs> is this close to them where I think this could be some of them? Could be, yeah. So what he told you was that they, he wanted you to come here to the Devil's Pass to investigate because basically their intel, the prisoner they've been able to catch, the only information they've been able to get from them was that they were harvesting something around here that would allow them to make the teleportation vials, whatever they might be. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it, your knowledge of the Devil's Pass is basically it's like the Bermuda Triangle. Nobody goes there ever. It's bad. It's a bad place. No one comes there and, and comes back alive is the kind of the statement, you know. So no one goes here. Guys, why do we come here? Okay, so I want to do a stealth check and, like, sneak up next to the house and try to look inside. Okay, so you guys are pretty far away from it. Um, so you you want to do that, that's fine, but you're going to have to get to it first. Oh, okay, so. I thought we were there. I think we should scale the cliff. Why do you think we should investigate? We should investigate because no one should be here, and it's a good possibility that if we find any sign of life here, it's the people we're looking for. So what's our plan? Do you want two of us to go around this side, or? How tall is this cliff? We should try to be quiet and unseen as much as possible. Okay. I know what we could do. What? The three of us scale the cliff or get closer to it, whichever's easier. And we let Kjorg stand out in the open with his pot and his hammer and lure out whatever is there. And then we go up behind them? If it's dangerous, then we can take it out. That's a good idea. Kjorg. Oh my gosh. I immediately pull out the pot. Oh my god! Wait, 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 wait. Are you sure? Wait on us to get hidden. Not yet. (gasps) Maybe I should go up and try to sneak around and look inside and see what we have going on in there, and then we do that. That's a good idea. Wait on the signal. Because for all we know, it could be something else. Probably what we're looking for, but it could be someone else. So, Kjorg, you need to wait on our signal. I guess my signal. What's the signal? So what's the plan? Is Misk going up alone? Are you all going with her? Oh, Saul's going to go with her. Yeah, me too. I mean, we can all three sneak up there and look in there. You're a bard. Just make me a bird noise or something. Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> yeah, so you're saying you're all going to go up there and investigate, but Kjorg <laughs> doesn't need to do anything without the signal, right? Because I feel like whatever's in there, it will go after Kjorg. <laughs> Whenever uh, we give the signal, Kjorg is supposed to make a bunch of noise and attract it out. Yes, whatever. But if we don't give you the signal, Kjorg, then it, you just need to come up there because it's okay. Let's do this. There should be two signals. <laughs> so you can use, you could always use thaumaturgy to like make the lights that are up there shining burn a different color. Okay, I'll do that. Red or green? 
Red means go. Red means. Red means. Red means go. Red means danger. And green means, green means good. Means don't come. No. Red means. <laughs> red means ranger. Red. Danger. Red means danger. Red and green means. Rover. Red Rover. <laughs> we call it Cure Gover. Red. Sweet Jesus. So. Okay. Red means. <laughs> red misc. means make the noise. Yes. Green means come up hither. Yes. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Let's do this. Okay, so Cure, are you riding your horse over there? I'm riding my horse in circles. So now that you guys are up against the the bottom of this, this mountain, you can see that there is a path that leads up to probably the front of the house. It's like a sort of a zigzagging pathway that leads up the side of the mountain. But if you're wanting to sneak in, you would obviously know that that's not the way to go. Because if someone is up there, then that's your your best chance of actually running into them, etc. But Kjorg, you might make your way over there with the horse near there and sort of set up there to be the distraction if they're going to cause said distraction. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. All right, you head over there. The rest of you. Y'all just going to try and just like climb this mountainside here, I guess? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Check your pack for pitons. Does anyone have any sort of climbing gear? Let me check my equipment. If you have a Dungeoneer's pack, you do. Does anyone have a Dungeoneer's pack? I got thieves tools. I have an explorer's pack. I don't have pittance. It does not have pittance, but it does have a rope. I do have a set of scissors, though. I have nothing. Hey, would you like some pittance? I would love... For your kittens. I would love a pittance for my kittens. Okay, let's do this. Here's ten pittance. I take the pittance. He gave us some pittance. But I want them back. <laughs> Just kidding. Say pittens one more time. Does anyone have a hammer? Nope. No. I want the hammer back. <laughs> He's got to have the hammer to make the noise. I can use something else. I got weapons. That's true. Use your head. <laughs> <laughs> so Kjorg lends you his hammer and some pittens, and you all set to trying to climb this mountain. So since you've got these tools and everything, it's not like a straight up and down cliff face. You all could probably scale it without the items, but with the items, we're going to say it's a lot easier. So I need athletics checks from all three of you with advantage. Is advantage when you roll two dice and take the higher one? That's what it is. I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I've just been picking a number whenever it was advantage. (laughs) Saul got a 17. Okay. Total. Miss got a 12. That's including his negative one. Yep. (laughs) I got a 21. Okay. Misk lags behind a little bit. She's just a little slower coming up the mountain, not quite as sure of herself, I guess. But she makes it up behind you all, but you all definitely get up there before her a little bit waiting. It takes you a solid half hour to climb up this spot, and then you are able to sort of scale along the top of a smaller cliff that leads up toward this platform that this home or whatever it is, this building, this house, is built upon. So... As you all begin to get within, like within sight of it, within closing distance, sort of hugging a wall. Misk, are you planning on separating to go up there and check it out? Or are you all just going to try and sneak forward? What's what's the plan? Saul wouldn't have waited. Saul is going to go ahead and sneak forward. Okay. We can all sneak. I mean, there ain't no reason for us to wait. Okay. So Saul starts making his way forward. Uh, what about you, Brackle? Brackle is the rear guard. So he is hanging back, but also being stealthy and vigilant. Keeping up with them. So I'm just with Saul. Okay, I'm going to need stealth checks from all three of you. 
And since you're all going, we'll treat this like a group check. Saul got a 21 total. Well 19 plus 5. Yeah. I got a dirty 20. Oh, we sneaky. Okay, well, you all did great anyways. But Sweet. you all are perfectly... Reasons why Kjorg is at the base. Going from place to place. There are a lot of like little boulders and things on the way. A few trees, but at this point, the forest itself has pretty much died off and not growing up the side of this mountain. It's pretty barren. But you all are able to find perfect little hiding places as you scoot along closer and closer. And now that you're within sight of it, even in the dark, Brackle, it's getting harder for you to see. But there's enough light that you can still sort of see that it is sort of like a log cabin. It looks like it's unfinished. You can see the light of fire within shining out from between the logs. It looks like it's been built recently. But it does seem like a sort of quickly made home of sorts. Or at least that's what you would think. There's no windows from the back or the side. But like I said, there is a light of fire shining through. Do I see anything inside? You all creep up on it? Yes. Okay, you look around for a window or something, and there's no windows on the side. You look out from the side toward the front, and you can see it's just open. Like it's just an open area. There's a pathway that leads down forward and then curves off, and that's the pathway that leads down to the bottom where you were before. Yeah, we'll go over there. Yeah, I kind of, so I still kind of hang back, but I've got my bow drawn. I'm just going to head on over there. Okay, you're sneaking toward the front? Yeah. Hmm. I'm just going to get an eye to a window and just kind of hold a position there while the others move. There are no windows. Who went to the front door? I went near the front. There are no windows, Mm -mm. so I can't like. Yeah, that's why I went to the front. Saul's going to go to the back. Okay, you're in the back. Now, you might be able to find like a slot between the logs where you can see something. You can see light spilling out. Mm-hmm. You're having trouble finding any spots that are actually like open for you to see within. It's more like just little spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if one of those ap- appeared big enough, I would definitely look through one. Okay, you're looking around for a spot like that. and She is making her way toward the front. All right, Misk, you try to creep toward the front using the darkness as a cloak. As you approach the front of this little house, you hear footsteps. And you can see, as you sort of gingerly peer around, that there is someone coming up the pathway, pushing what looks like some sort of a, like a wheelbarrow. A wheelbarrow? Can they, they're not able to see me or hear me. No, not right now. Mm -mm. Uh, Is it a barrow light? It's not. I guess since I see someone... I don't know. I think I should signal Kjorg, but also I think I might want to sneak inside the house, but I don't know. What kind of person is that? I feel like I should just tell Kjorg to make the noise. Okay, so while you're over there on that side of the house trying to figure out what to do, and Brackle is standing vigilant with the bow drawn, Saul, you look around. Give me an investigation check. Investigation. That's a natural 20. Oh, oh my boy. Gosh. Natural 20. You come around the left side of the house that's up against, that's not up against, but closer to the wall of the mountain. And you slip through and you find a little spot where you can see a good little beam of light shining out about the size of a half dollar. And you have to squat down on one knee and lean over to look inside. But you look in and you get a pretty good view of the inside of this house. Okay. You see a group of halflings. Oh. 
you can't get a good count. It's not like you're just looking in through a window. You see at least four, maybe five or six, just in a quick glance from your vantage point. And they seem to be at tables messing with something. They're wearing thick leather gloves and they have some of them you see are working over by like a big fire with bellows spinning something like a rod in their hands inside the fire Mm -hmm. and then you see others off to the side taking these big clay pots and they have like a sort of spigot on the side Mm -hmm. of them and something is coming out of the pots into these small glass globes and that's about all that you can see but you can see at least like I said you count five six maybe more that are inside at this time. And they're all halflings? They appear to be. Hmm. Oh, no. He's got thaumaturgy oh. too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to go ahead and signal Kjorg. Okay, you're signaling Kjorg? Yeah, I'm going to use thaumaturgy to change the color. I signal Kjorg. And you, what do you want to do? Like the fire that you can see inside there, the, the big burning bellows. You want it to be... I want to change all the light to the color that it's supposed to be. Which is? Red. 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 Okay, it's red. You turn it all red. And it's it's glowing like a yellow light, you know. And all of a sudden, it just burns this deep, creepy red color. And you notice as everyone inside starts kind of looking around, freaked out. Misk, you notice as all the fires burn red suddenly before you can do anything. Brackle, you notice the same. And Kjorg, you see bright red light burn up on the side of the mountain. Mm. What do you do? What do you do? Clank, clank. <laughs> <laughs> the people's champion. Please. <laughs> it's the people's champion. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're clanging on the pot down there screaming, it's the people's champion. And you can all hear it sort of amplified by the rocky mountainside. As he's calling up the side. Who wants to fight? (laughs) Saul, you notice as there's a a shuffling around of of people inside. Quickly, you see a couple of them step over and grab something off the floor and run toward the door. Misk, you see the one that was coming up the side of the hill. He picks up his pace running forward and he pushes the wheelbarrow up beside the house. And he turns, drawing a bow from his back and takes off running down the hill. And behind him come, you can see now, Misk, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, at least ten, maybe more, as they're sort of starting to crowd together and take off running down this hill. Oh, crap. <laughs> it's about to get real, y'all. You're all dead. Um, I can take them. I can take all of you filthy hobbits. So they're running down there, and I want to... Run like they're already down, like working their way down the hill. Yeah, yeah, they're making, they're they're taking off. Yeah, <laughs> who wants it first? So I want to come up behind them and use a thunder wave to try to. Okay, so you're gonna try and run up oh. beside them and thunder wave blast them off the side of the cliff face. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, they roll saves for that. So what's your spell save DC? Oh crap! They're all gonna roll great. Nah. So. Oh snap. Oh, snap. Their feet are too hot. So... Their feet are hot. They're going to fall. Oh, my gosh, Paul. (laughs) Okay, so you take off running behind them. All right, you're just running. And you're not trying to hide yourself, really. You can't while you're running. So you run up trying to surpass them, and you're faster, you know, (laughs) because they're halflings. Uh, And they they spot you, and some of them start to turn, 
Actually, that's kind of what happens is some of the ones that are in the front are a little bit farther down and, and you can't really catch them. But as you start taking off running toward the wall of the mountain to cut them around on the left side, a couple of them like spot you and yell out, hey, look, and they turn to see you and they come running towards you with swords drawn and weapons in hand. And you just, how do you cast your spell? So I'm right next to them or whatever. And when they turn around, <laughs> I'm just laughing seeing them flop. <laughs> I'm just going to look at them and say, hey, boys. <laughs> and then I'm just going to thunder wave. Unleash your thunder wave. <laughs> yeah. Hey, boys. And they just yes. go flying. <laughs> and about seven of them. Boys. Go flying off the side of the hill. I mean, they are burst into the air backward. A couple of them hit the ground, but then they sort of roll, and they all just go tumbling down the side of this mountain. It's a pretty good drop from where you guys are. I mean, you're right here next to the house. I mean, it's probably a good 60-foot drop. Kjorg, <laughs> you see as some of them are running down the path and zigzagging down, while a good <laughs> larger handful are now either flying through the air or rolling down the side of this mountain yelling out <laughs> as they yeah. just go tumbling down the hill. On that note, I think we're going to have to wrap this episode six. Can we name this one Hey Boys? <laughs> wow, I can't believe that you... Uh, hey Boys. I just can't believe that that happened, honestly. Do we know that these are bad guys? I mean, it probably just saved our life. Well, they were headed for Kjorg, and my first instinct is to, like... Well, as soon, I gotta do something. Yeah, and as, as soon as he yelled out the people's champion and they noticed someone was there, they grabbed their weapons and ran out. Like, yeah, so they're obviously... Yeah, it wasn't like Farmer Joe going, oh, who's that out there? <laughs> <laughs> that does it for this episode of Make Believe Heroes. Thanks so much for listening. If you have liked what you heard, do us a favor. Leave us one of those five-star reviews on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at MBH Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Thank you for listening, and uh, be sure to stick around for the end of the episode where we're going to answer another one of your questions. And the answer is no. We love you. Bye. 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 Welcome to the Fireside this week, the campfire. We got s'mores. No, we don't. Oh, yeah, we do. Of course we have s'mores. What good is a campfire? Made from the ears of our enemies. Sick. Ew. I ain't eating that. That is seriously disgusting. And graham crackers. You are welcome. And some gelatinous cube. <laughs> so for this week, we have a question from Lucas. And this question reads, Were all of you always this good at role-playing in D&D? Yes. Jeremy is amazing at playing Loric. I know I'm interrupting you. Jeffrey's still terrible at role-playing. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> He's not. He's good. Everyone, go, go, everyone yeah, knows yes. I'm the go best. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm just teasing. The best player. He says, Jeremy is amazing at playing Lorik, and Paul, the DM, has the best NPCs ever. How long have you been playing this well, and do you have any tips to make role-playing at our tables better? So, first of all, thank you for the compliments. We, we try to get pretty hard into our role-play and that's that's different for each of us. For Jeffrey, it's trolling, a lot of trolling. There's so many trolls. Jeffrey does a good job of digging into the role play and doing the worst thing at the worst possible moment because he thinks that's what his character would do. Uh, like in this episode. 
Uh, it has to be done. This is true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like banging a pot over my head. <laughs> exactly. That uh, was awesome, by the way. Or killing another character. Oh my god! I'd like to address the the helpful hints. Uh, thank you for the compliment. I still feel like playing Lorik is terrible. Now you were great as Lorik, but before we answer that, because that's the meat, I do want to answer this question of how long have we been playing this well? Um, we were born this good. <laughs> I mean, I was. I'm just kidding. Yeah, oh my right? gosh. That's not true. Uh, honestly, it it takes time and practice. Like that's it. And when I say practice, I mean the first time I ever played D and D. I was at Jeremy's. It was just he and I and a couple of our friends. Jeffrey was there. and Yeah, not me. Not me. I wasn't well, there. You were there. <laughs> and when we went in there, basically we, we sat down. Jeremy DM'd. It was a just like a random one-shot idea that he had. We had no idea how to play D&D. The rules we played with were not the right rules. We were just rolling dice and you know just having fun. And that was the night that I realized that D&D was something special. And what elevated it for me was the point where I thought, I'm playing this dwarven character who's like this secret king that no one knows that he's like this royal dwarf from across the land. I'm going to play this dwarf hard. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna use a voice. And like halfway into playing, I started using a, a ridiculously awful, like half Scottish dwarven accent that was incredibly embarrassing every time I did it. It was hilarious. Uh, you know, it was... And awesome. But what was even better than that was I was a naked minotaur. He did start the session off as a naked minotaur. Yep, Shatteros. Uh, it's an interesting night. So, you know, Jeremy was playing this weird old guy that was like in this jail cell with us, and he was using a goofy old man voice, and, and we just got into it. And when I walked away from that, people asked me about it, or I was talking about it, I said... Um, I've always been a nerd. This is the nerdiest thing I've ever done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what made it that for me was the role play. It was literally pretending to be someone else. Like that concept had never really, I wasn't really, uh, like I, I didn't do acting in high school or middle school. We didn't really have much of an opportunity for that in my town anyway, but I'd never really been into drama or anything like that. So I'd never really done this much. And from the first time I played, I decided that it elevated the game when I put myself into an awkward position as that character. Does that make sense? No. And it was just making myself be vulnerable. Because I felt vulnerable, I'll tell you, doing that. I remember telling people that, you know, that it's, it's, it's hard to get yourself in that state of mind. But a big part of that is playing with friends. What's more vulnerable than a peach? Nothing. <laughs> what? It's another elf line. <laughs> for me, it was a huge deal because I was a dungeon master for, I don't know, three, four years, whatever. Whatever. Even if the the players discuss, and if you're running the game, you have a lot of power to kind of make it more personable and more RP heavy, is if the players are discussing something, they're like, we do that, and be like, okay, what does that look like in character? Or they'll be talking about something, like trying to decide what to do, and be like, no, no, no. Do it in character. And they'd have to switch to their weird voices and talk across the table at each other. Make a big deal out of doing everything in character and get out of the rut of, we record a podcast and we used to look at our phones. But if you have a no phone rule at your table, whenever we first started recording, it was put your phones up, stop talking to people, stop messing around, and let's play D&D. And we would, you know, basically block off the world except for, you know, wife's calling or kids need us to jump up and help. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, We just made a big deal out of do it all in character. Pay attention. Be part of the game. And if somebody's not, call them out on it. Mm -hmm. 
politely. <laughs> yeah. Hey, get back in the game, you freak. Which, that helped us a lot, is that we always were talking about recording and playing characters, and we all love playing characters. Whenever I first started, he just mentioned in the first game we ever played, I started, I kicked off playing a, an old, decrepit wizard that they discovered in a jail cell. And I decided from the get-go that I was going to go ahead and have a voice and get very vulnerable is a good word for it, I guess, or just let the characters flow out of me. Cause I'd listen to again, critical hit Rodrigo Lopez. And I mean, he uses like little mousy voices whenever he's, uh, being the hedgehogs or, you know, yeah. he'll do anything. And whenever I wanted to run, I was like, well, I want to run like Rodrigo runs. So I'm going to yeah. have character voices and I'm going to make it. And I wanted D and D to be a big deal with my friends. So I was like, I'm going to give as much as myself into this as I can to try to get them excited about yeah, and it worked. It works. When you sit down at the table and someone is hardcore giving themselves over to a voice and just putting themselves in the character, it makes you want to do that with your character. Yeah. I played a character one time that had a bear, Hondi. Yeah. Hondi. And Hondi I had Solo. to yell to uh, get him to appear. And yeah. I was like, Hondi. And then my char- actual character, she was, like, really nervous around guys, mm-hmm. which I'm, like, totally not <laughs> in person. So mm-hmm. it was really funny when I start talking to a guy, and I'm like, hey, uh, 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 you know, what, yeah. what, what's going on? Yeah. Like, it's so fun. Yeah. Uh, so how can you make yourself better? Uh, give your character something specific, uh, something weird, like a good example from our show, uh, Lorik's jittery, stuttery nervousness was something that Jeremy just decided, sort of settled into. And it's something that he can easily latch on to. You might say, well, I'm not good at this sort of accent or this sort of that. Don't do anything that, you know, 10 sessions into your game, you're going to go, this is hurting my voice. Like, literally, I'm losing my voice trying to talk to this character. Or, uh, you know, I... I, (laughs) Make sure you enjoy it. Yeah, I hate this. Do something... It doesn't have to be a voice. It can be something, a character trait, like Felicia said. Someone who's nervous around certain people or... Uh, someone who's like Alan played a wizard elf who was deathly afraid Scared of elephants. Of, yes, I love that. <laughs> I remember know? that to this day. I thought about it today. Mix whose line is it anyway with D and D, and you're good to go. Yeah, I mean that's that's role play. Exactly. I mean more or less. <laughs> that's role play. Big chunk of it's improv. It is one thing that helps me whenever I'm creating characters. So to kind of give my background story, like I've I wanted to get into D and D for a long time and just couldn't because of lack of people who would be into it in my sphere. And then me and Paul started talking about it, and I bought the fourth edition books. I think I've told this story before. I don't know if it's on this show or not. But anyway, uh, I got to play, but Paul and I are separated by many hundreds of miles. Mm -hmm. So I I got to play whenever I was visiting him for a week and then not again for a long time. But that just little bit of I've always enjoyed stories. And so being able to, as a DM, I originally DM'd, being able to make up stories about... The world was great, and then as a character, being able to make up stories about my character and participate in a broader story with other people was just amazing, and I loved it. And one thing that I found helps that I started, I did it from the start uh, a little unintentionally, but it it was kind of natural, but now I do it a little more on purpose. I take one aspect of my personality, just something like I narrow it down. Like for Jerbin, that was just me being like my goofiness on Mm -hmm. cranked up to 11. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's why he was afraid of elephants. Just whatever random thing popped into my mind was what happened. Yeah. yeah. 
Part of the reason I did that was because it was a DM character because we didn't have enough people to fill out a full party. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to have a taste of playing while at the same time I was DMing whenever it was the very first time I'd ever played or DM. So not recommended. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I wanted him, I didn't want him to really be like driving decision making. So I just made him kind of nuts. Yeah. And that's one aspect of my personality goofy and silly. Then mm-hmm. another character, uh, Brackle, who I'm playing now, is very focused, very uh, get the job done. He's got a goal, he's going to do it. That's a very small part of my actual personality, but I just amplified it, cranked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with Jim last season, it was my pursuit of knowledge, my desire to learn and to grow my knowledge, my skills. And I took that one thing and just really made it what the character's hitch was, like what what made him go. So I have three very different characters there, but each of them are still uniquely similar to me. So I'm not playing some I'm playing something that I normally wouldn't behave in the real world like but it's still easy for me to see from their point of view because I'm taking an aspect of myself and just really going, taking it to its most insane conclusion. One of the things, and I know this is getting long in the tooth, one of the things that I notice other uh, Dungeon Masters doing, like if they play a character, is giving themselves a tick. So me and Paul at Gen Con played in a Harry Potter game. That was fun. And that Dungeon Master, he would when he was Professor McGonagall, he would like straighten his back and twitch his, his, his head just right. I mean, you would just know that he had switched to that character because of how, his body language. Oh, mm-hmm. So if like for Saul in particular, Saul has a, his tick is the cigar. So if you need something, get you a pen. And if the character is that he's a suave or a, you know, hellish type that's going to pull out a cigar and blow smoke in someone's face i mean pull out a pen and act like you're doing it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. if you give yourself a tick then that can help you really fall into character who was it ian mckellen said they asked him how to be a good actor and he just said just pretend to be that person yeah it was something something like like that that. really short it was like really dumb (laughs) yeah it was like so just just obvious just pretend i mean because i mean that's that's what it is and, and it's hard to do I'd say this. You you might think, well, you know, I, it seems like people around my my table they're just not really deep into role play. It's tough. I mean, I mean, we could do a whole other podcast where we just talk about some of these topics. And like Jeremy said, this one is getting long, so I do want to wrap it up. But I would say that if no one else at the table role plays the way that you want to role play, just do it anyway. You're going to have an effect on those people. Make it fun. Make it seem fun. Be ridiculous. You know, play a character that is uh, that's that's infectious in the fun that it is to play that character. You know, a character that you really love. Pour your heart into that character, uh, and then after you play one session and then you never play again, just weep over the fact that that character is gone forever, as we have all done multiple times. But you know, it's like Jeremy said, pick something fun. It's like Alan said, pick something about yourself, whatever it might be, some tick. Or something, just just pour yourself into that character. Pretend to be that person. When you sit down, don't game the game. Don't think, oh, I, but I think we should do this. I think this is the right thing. Think, what would my character, yeah. who is deathly afraid of water to the point that he barely drinks it, do in this situation where they're telling me that we have to get on this boat? You know, just absolutely lean hard into your character and it can be one thing what's going to happen is the longer you play that character the more that person's personality is going to develop in your head 
I remember the first time like I played in a game with Alan. It might be one of the first games mm-hmm. that I played D and D. And he was DMing and he did this oh, voice. Geez. Alan has a as a as a way. Oh my gosh! Uh, I had never really played. He doesn't do. It's not character voices. It's monster voices. Like it's stinking <laughs> freaky. Oh, they're like, monstrous. The they're what? awful. I can't even remember which one that might have been. Kobolds. Kobolds. They were kobolds. Yes. So, so I could be like attack them. <laughs> or and like I looked over at Paul and I'm like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> But, I mean, now it's like, I'm used to it now. I mean, back, like Paul was saying, he, you know, he was starting to do those voices, and I've never done a certain voice mm-hmm. for a character. But I remember when Alan did those co-op voices and stuff, I thought, man, I just don't know if I could do that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but that's part of D&D. You've got to give in to it, you know? It's, but it makes it so much more fun. It does. When somebody does something goofy or mm-hmm. has some little thing. Puts that they themselves do, out there. It's great. And if you're the DMs, like Jeremy said, that you and even if you're not the DM, if you're just a player, just go in there and play like you want everyone else to play. And hopefully it'll have that effect. So I think that that is, we, we've said enough. Uh, we'll, we'll get more into this later when we launch our Make Believe Heroes podcast network and create a secondary podcast where we talk about D&D. When's that going to be? Hopefully never. <laughs> so, not hopefully never, but probably never. I, I mean, would love to do that. I just don't have time. Never. That's me. I would love to do that. It's just, yeah, who's got time? I mean, I have to edit, you know? Yeah. So, uh, thank you for listening. We will uh, see you in a week. Bye. Bye. See you later. Love you. Bye. Understandable. Have a good day. <laughs>